0: You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you so much. I just kind of wondering. It sounded like you're singing a little something different than myself. We made it through. We made it through. Amen. 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 It's good we can have a good laugh about it. Praise God. If you would, please turn with me on this uh, Palm Sunday morning. I'd like to speak about the coming of the Messiah. We're going to take a break from uh, the. Father of Lies, the uh, series that we're doing on the tactics of the enemy, and we'll pick up on that in May, because next Sunday is Easter, and the following Sunday, Pastor Warren's going to be preaching. Amen. Amen. So praise God. And we look for. it's been a long time, Brother Warren, so we're looking forward, and we know the fire's pent up in your bones. Amen. <laughs> But praise the Lord. And my apologies, I don't have a, a uh, PowerPoint for you today, but there are printed notes. In fact, if you need notes, if you like them, just slip up your hand and we'll have uh, someone. If we could have uh, someone, uh, Nancy, thank you. They're on the back table, uh, white, um, four and a half by uh, five and a half. Okay, great. And if you'd like one, just slip up your hand. And we'll get it to you. But let's read the Palm Sunday story from Matthew chapter 21, beginning with verse 1. And this is the beginning of the week that Jesus was crucified. And when he came into Jerusalem, he came to arms wide open. So let's read about that this morning. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on the colt, the foal of a a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them, and brought the donkey and the colt, and laid their colts on them. (coughs) Excuse me. And he sat on their coats. Most of the crowds spread their coats in the road and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth, in Galilee. Let's bow our hearts together and let's ask God's blessing as we look to God's word together. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and grace. Thank you for this time that we have together. And thank you, God, that you were obedient to the Father and you laid down your life for the forgiveness of our sins and the hope of eternal life. As we, Lord, talk about you as our king, our coming king, We pray once again for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to continue to move in our midst. May you give words, Lord Jesus, to this, your speaker. May we all have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Praise God. The one thing among many that I love about this time of year is that we focus... On Jesus. Because everything we are, everything that we're about, our our hopes, our dreams, our future, is all in Jesus. There are a lot of things to talk about as far as in Scripture, how to live, how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, and, and so many other things, how, how to conduct ourselves in society. But it all boils down to this. Do you know Jesus is Jesus alive within your heart and life today? And we could actually spend a month of Sundays, if not more, about who Jesus is. And uh, we will definitely, this coming weekend, be talking about his saving work in his, both his death, burial, and most importantly, the resurrection. Amen? Amen. Uh, and uh, we'll be focusing on those. But what we're talking about today is that Jesus is our soon, our coming, but also our present King. Amen? Amen. 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 Although he was humble looking when he entered the city of Jerusalem and he basically had no possessions in the world other than the clothes that were upon his back, he... Was king, and the people of Jerusalem on that Sunday welcomed him as such. In fact, he was not only hailed as king, he was hailed as the king or the messiah. So it wasn't just a, a king is coming. Israel had plenty of kings, and, and all of them to a greater or lesser, lesser extent, were imperfect, failed and eventually died. And Israel at that time, or Judah at that time, was was not a sovereign nation where they could determine their own destiny. They were under the the rule and the authority of the Roman Empire. But they knew, which explains their reaction to this great prophet whom they thought was, and he is a great prophet, he is the prophet, explains their reaction when he came in that the Messiah has come and we are going to receive and treat him such. But what does that word Messiah actually mean? And, and basically in, in the Old Testament, the title uh, given to the one who is going to come and deliver the nation of Israel, not just for a time, but forever. What was the name Messiah. And in the New Testament, you don't hear the word as much Messiah as you hear the New Testament or, or Greek word, which is the word Christos, or in our English term, is Christ. So when we say Jesus Christ, we're actually saying Jesus the Messiah. And what that word Messiah or, or Christos or, or Christ means is the anointed. Not just anointed, There were a lot of people in the Old Testament who were anointed. There were a lot of people in the New Testament who were anointed. And there are people who are walking and living today who are anointed, including all of us in this room. But we are not the anointed. There's only one the anointed, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the one who was promised to reestablish the rule and the kingdom of God on this earth. And when we look at the Old Testament, and I don't have the references for you this morning, but you can read through the book of, and they primarily in the book of Isaiah, a couple other uh, uh, books, but in the Old Testament, we can see why there was such a great anticipation for the Messiah to come. Number one, as I mentioned, he would rule over Israel. He would extricate Israel from under the hands of of the Romans, the Gentiles. And he would exercise rule over them so that they would be a free people who were under God. And the kingdom that he would usher in, as we also mentioned, would not be one for a time, but one that would last for eternity. And going way, way back to Abraham, not only would he be a blessing to the people of Israel and the people of Judah, but be a blessing to all nations. All nations would come down. All nations would worship him and all nations would live under his kingdom of righteousness and peace. He would perform many wonders and miracles. He would destroy... And they acknowledged at that time, and, and I think one of the reasons that we don't call out to God when I say we, I'm talking about our culture and our society, is we think all of our problems are solely a human source, You know, the, the problem is, you know, the wrong way of thinking, or you know, somebody did something to you back in your past. And I'm not minimizing the scars that people receive. Uh, in their youth and how it can affect them. It certainly does. But as we have been talking about these past few Sunday mornings, we are involved in a spiritual battle against the enemy. And one of the greatest afflictions, if not, well, I would say the second, because man is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. But one of the deadliest afflictions that there is in the world today is Satan and demonic spirits that have the sole intent in afflicting uh, the people of God and the human race as a whole. But the promise of the Messiah was this, that he would destroy both the devil and his deeds. They knew that back then. You read the account of the of the Gospels, each and every one, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus didn't just preach the kingdom, although that was of utmost importance. He just didn't deliver people from sickness, what a blessing that was. He also cast out demons in the name of Jesus and set people free from their uh, afflictions. He would deliver from sin and sorrow, that's from the The uh, uh, book of I was going to say the gospel of Isaiah and and it's almost the gospel it talks so much about Jesus Um, but uh, Isaiah 53 he would be someone who would deliver people from the stuff that bothers them on the inside and keeps us on the inside from knowing God that being our sins and our sorrows our griefs and despair and may I just get off the subject for one moment this morning by saying this, number one, I think we all can come to a consensus that sin separates us from God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, Romans 6.23. But sorrow can also be, and, and I was going to say impediment, but it's, it's not the right word. <laughs> I'm not pronouncing it correctly. Okay. Impediment to knowing Jesus. Why? Because when you allow yourself to be bound by the chains of despair, it inhibits you or, or, or severely uh, curtails you from putting your faith in Jesus. Which part of faith is hope that, that even though my situation is terrible and, and, and there's no way in the natural for me to get out of it, if I put my faith in Jesus... He will deliver. Amen. That's why it's so important that when we preach the gospel, we not only preach Jesus as Savior, we preach Him as healer and also the deliverer from sorrows and woes. God can do that. And God is doing And they knew that because they were an oppressed people. But most importantly, and this comes from the book of Isaiah, And the angel of the Lord also repeated this to uh, uh, Joseph when he let Joseph know that Mary had conceived a child. His name shall be called what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. It just wasn't going to be some wonderful, exceptional human being There was no different from you and me, just just someone of great character and strength and charisma and so on and so forth. Literally, God himself is going to rule. And on that day that Jesus entered sitting on that donkey, people knew it was the Messiah and they received him as such. They honored him with the palm leaves and the, and the coats. They honored him with scripture, saying to him or, and saying of him as he came in, words that were reserved only for the Messiah, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They received him as king and they received him And this is how transforming Jesus is, just by his presence. They received him with great joy. It was a grand day of celebration when Jesus came in to the city. Now we know that things obviously changed over the course of that week. And that all those, except for a few ladies in John, all those who followed Jesus or who were impressed by Jesus, and I'm sure many who even received Jesus that day as king, turned their back on him and despised and rejected him as scripture said so. But on that day, them receiving him by faith as king and being filled with great joy can teach us and show us not only what Jesus, if we have received him as Lord and as Savior, what he can do, but also give us insight, especially today if you are a seeker of God. You're just not, you know, you've heard about Jesus. You know people maybe in your family or friends who have accepted Jesus as your Savior, as their Savior. You notice different things about their, their lives, which is one reason why You might be here today or watching online. The way that they receive Jesus can give us insight how Jesus can make that very same impact on our lives. Let's take a look this morning. And one of the things that, or a word that we can use to describe the attitude and the heart that those citizens of Jerusalem demonstrated when Jesus came into the city is the word faith. They were, And when I say faith, I'm talking about full persuasion. They were fully persuaded that this man who was coming in was the Messiah, the Christos, the Christ, the anointed one. We see this in reading verses 6 through 8 in, in, in how they received Jesus through coming in. It, it wasn't a matter of, you know, there were other times, I, I think Zacchaeus, you know, there was a crowd. At, at that time, people wanted to see Jesus, but it was more out of curiosity. And we heard about this guy. Let's see, let's see what he's going to do. And uh, they, they weren't really praising. They weren't, you know, treating him in any special fashion other than curiosity, other than those who were in need and reached out to him in, in faith. But this time was a little different. Matthew 21, 6-8, the disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them, and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats on the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. So as Jesus came in, it was very symbolic that Jesus would come in on a donkey because that's the way the kings of Jerusalem entered the city of Jerusalem. It was a sign of humility. It was also a sign of peace. And so as he was coming in, they responded. Jesus was actually making the declaration, I am your king, which is probably why the religious leaders were so upset because they didn't want anything to do with Jesus. So Jesus makes this, this bold declaration that he made before, he made then, and he's making today. I am the king. And they responded by saying, yes you are. And one way they responded by, was by humbling themselves before him. On the one hand, they cut down palm branches and put those down. And uh, palms were a sign of, of victory. And uh, so this was a declaration of faith that you know, victory was present. But secondly, they put down their coats for the donkey to walk on. Now, um, uh, just one announcement before we proceed with the rest of the message. At the conclusion of the message, men, I'd like you to t- either take off your coats or your shirts if you have a T-shirt underneath it. Please, put, I don't want to walk <laughs> I don't want to walk on this grungy carpet, and no, it's actually very clean. John, it's very clean. John, John cleaned this much. <laughs> I'm sure if I was serious on that, you tell me to take a hike. I'm not going to let your dirty, grubby feet walk all over. And here, it wasn't even Jesus; just it was an animal. And one thing I've noticed, especially about farm animals, they're very indiscriminate as far as some of their functions. (laughs) I'll just lay it at at that. But they didn't care. Why? Because the Messiah was coming in. And so in in similar fashion as bowing before or showing some kind of of, of humble uh, uh, demonstration, they took off their, their very cloaks. And they put them on the ground so that the donkey, not just Jesus, but the donkey he was riding on, would not touch the, the bare, dirty, dusty ground. You know, uh, it's a very arid environment there, very hot, very dusty, dirty, and they put their coats on that dirty, dusty ground and allowed that donkey to walk all over it. Why? They were demonstrating their humility. They acknowledged that the King, the Son of God, the Messiah was here and we bowed down before him. Friend, if you don't know Jesus today, and even if you know Jesus, this is a way that we're to live. If you're really going to receive this life-changing work in your heart, one that sets you free from sorrow and sickness and sin. You must receive Jesus as King, which starts with a very humble attitude towards the Lord Jesus Christ. James chapter 4 verse 10 puts it this way, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Now there are different ways that, that some people demonstrate humility before God. We have in, in some sects of Christianity uh, uh, you know, people feel that in order to show humility they need to punish themselves, punish their bodies. God's not asking you to do anything like that. He took our punishment for us. Yes. But he does ask us to humble our hearts before him. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before uh, the fall. And if we're, we're going to receive Christ as Savior, we need to humble ourselves, which is acknowledging that Jesus is not only real and Jesus is not only alive, but Jesus is not only the king, Jesus is my king. And if you're going to receive Jesus as Savior, it's important that you not only believe that he is the Son of God, which is of utmost importance, not only believe that he died on Calvary, not only believe that he rose from the dead, these are all critical things that we need to believe. Not even believe, I I mentioned Son of God, Son of God, um, that, that He is the Son of God, He rose again. Not even believe that He's coming back again. All those are important. We must believe those things. But in order to make the saving, delivering, the Hosanna work, and we'll talk about what Hosanna means in just a moment or so, a reality in your life is to confess Jesus as Lord, my Lord. Lord, you are greater. Paul puts it this way in Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And how we do that essentially is this. God, I have my will, my plans, my desires, but because you are my Lord, I surrender them all to you. And I commit myself for you, to you, for you to take over and have your way fully and completely in my life. Humility. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And saving faith has contained within it a heart of humility. Yeah. Secondly, and, and this is, is very similar In fact, I I would I have it described here in my notes as, as a second degree humility. It's a willingness to verbally call upon the Lord and ask him to save you. When Jesus came in, they just didn't say applaud and say bravo, bravo. They didn't welcome him. They didn't have a big giant key, gold key, and gave him the key to the city. I don't, know what, I don't know even know if they do that anymore, but that was a thing back in the day. Brother Walter, did you ever receive one from Norwich? Are you waiting on it? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm still waiting for it. Still waiting for it. I got you. Saving faith is a call for personal deliverance, not just an acknowledgement that Jesus is God. Matthew 21, verse 9, the crowd's going ahead of him. And those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. It's a word of praise. We sang it this morning in at least two of the songs that we sang. And Amen. I purposely chose them because it's Palm Sunday. Amen. But what does it mean? And literally what Hosanna means comes from the Old Testament word Hosea Hosea or Hashua, which means salvation. And and so this word, Hosanna, means Lord, save. So when Jesus was coming in, they just didn't humble themselves. They cried out to him, save us. You can't be under the rulership, the protection, the wisdom, the guidance of a leader until you profess your allegiance and call out to them for their protection, for their leadership, for their deliverance in your life. And we come before God, and why I say this is second degree humility. We're not only believing that Jesus Christ is Lord and that He is God and that we surrender ourselves but that we need Him. Why? Because we cannot save ourselves. We cannot undo the past, all the wrong things that we've done. And if we're truly honest with ourselves, we understand that there is no way we could possibly live up to God's standard, even knowing what God has called us to do or what God has called us to be. We can't do it by ourselves. We need the saving grace and power of God in our lives to not only wipe away our sins, but empower us to live for Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth. Hosanna! God saved! In fact, do not we see throughout Scripture... People who have uh, people who are searching, searching for God and seeking for deliverance, deliverance of the greatest kind, which is deliverance from sin and shame and sorrow and sickness, but also deliverance uh, from death with the promise of eternal life. Do we not see them making a verbal commitment? to God calling upon Jesus to save them. And and one um, illustration that comes to mind is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, 18, verse 13. It's it's the story of the, um, and you can read the whole thing at your leisure this week, uh, the story of of the, the, the priest and the thief, the publican, who went to the temple, and the priest just boasted how great he was. But he left unchanged, he left in his sin. Why? Because, number one, he didn't humble himself, number two, he didn't call upon God for salvation. But the publican, who was an admitted thief, unworthy, he felt so unworthy, he couldn't even look up. He was just in shame and sorrow, but he called out to his God and his Savior, and said, God, Be merciful to me, a sinner. Or in actually the New American Standard Version, which I've been quoting from recently, God be merciful to me, the sinner. And the Bible says that man who confessed with his mouth his sin and his need of the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness, that man went to his home home justified. They called out, and this is the beautiful thing about Palm Sunday. They in faith called out for God to deliver them, and even though they rejected him, God still did, by being obedient to the Father, and dying and rising again, to provide for them the opportunity for forgiveness of sin. Jesus Answered their prayer despite their fickleness. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Thirdly, and I have a whole another half, but this is going to be my last point this morning. I, I guess I guess the, the the rest of the message I'll preach next year, <laughs> Palm Sunday. But these are these are these are basic things. But these things we need to not only remind ourselves, but we also need to communicate with others as we're sharing this precious gift of salvation with other people. They were people of faith, and I know we're talking about faith, but the dimension of faith that I'm talking about in this particular point is that full persuasion that Not only that God said he would deliver, God will deliver if we call upon him. Verse 9, once again, same verse. The crowd's going ahead of him. And those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You know, in society today, sometimes there was an occasion in our life where, um, regarding um, some uh, legal issue, government issue, not a crime or anything like that, but um, we're kind of at an impasse, and so one of the things that if if there's something that you're struggling with, you know, uh, or or having issues with as far as the legal process, you can go go talk to your congressman, and uh, a lot of people... Uh, you know, call that congressman and say, you know, I'm having this issue, is there anything you can do about that? And that's one of the reasons that they're there. We should never feel bad about contacting them if we need a certain issue that, regarding um, the federal government that we need resolved. And we did that once. And uh, we were hopeful that it would be resolved, but we weren't sure it would be resolved. <laughs> and what I mean by that, I, it was like, I hope this works. We'll give it a shot. Uh, it didn't work. <laughs> but it's all right. God, God took care of us. Anyhow, I don't even remember what it was over now, but I, I do remember uh, contacting, um, contacting them and whatnot. And they were very gracious and tried to help. Not so with the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus came in the city, and they cried out, Save. Hosanna. Lord, save. It wasn't like, oh, you know, I hope I hope he does something. You know, we've been under s- such oppression for such a long time. And the Romans are so powerful. And, and this man, you know, he, the, the Bible it says about Jesus, there's nothing special looking about him. In fact, you know, I'm sure he's dressed nice, but you know, it's the same thing he was wearing the day before, and the day before that, and the day before that. You no, know, the attitude in their heart was an attitude of confidence, that our Deliverer is here. That's why they put those palm branches out. Victory. It was, it was a calling out to, for, for, for God to save, but it had about it the air of confidence an expectancy, a joy, an assurance that this man who is coming in is going to deliver us. And everywhere, not only where Jesus went, but after he ascended to the Father, where the disciples went, where the gospel was preached and where people received Jesus Just in a very similar way that these people were receiving Jesus on Palm Sunday. There was great joy and happiness because by faith they were fully persuaded. And they confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That God did exactly what he promised to do. And that God was going to fulfill in their lives what he has promised he would fulfill. Acts thirteen fifty two for example, the Bible says when the Gentiles heard this, response to the preaching of the gospel and the ministry of the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as it had been appointed to eternal life believed. There was an assurance, and that assurance of deliverance brought them great joy and if you have called upon the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, that assurance should flood over your soul. And in this faith, this joyful, fully persuasive faith that these people were demonstrating that day and that others afterwards to the preaching of the gospel also demonstrated is one that all of us not only have encountered, but should live in. And it's not a joy that we just can manufacture in and of ourselves. In fact, you might be here today, and you might be saying, I wish I could have that joy. I wish I could have that confidence. I wish I could have that assurance in my life. But it's just not there. You don't have to look deeper within yourself. You need to look up. Because God is not only the God who gives forgiveness, who gives peace, who gives righteousness. He also gives assurance, faith, and joy. Amen. And He will fill your soul with that faith that is needed to say, I am fully persuaded. And I, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, which is a, a book up or a scroll that's up in heaven that you definitely want your name in because everyone's name that is in that book has free access to the kingdom of heaven once this yes. life is over. Time. Yes. Yes. In fact, that's one way we know that when someone makes a profession in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that they they truly received him. Because there's a joy that no man can give and no man can take away. That your life now, most important, more importantly, the life that is to come now is sure in Jesus. We're going to, we're going to close here this morning. And uh, there's a lot more to say. At the rest of the message, we talk about how the Messiah went straight to work on the inside. Uh, in the temple. And uh, like I said, we'll share that another another time. There's a lot of wisdom in that. But this morning, it's of utmost importance for everyone who's here or, or anyone who might be watching on television that you just don't know about Jesus and that you just don't believe that everything that Jesus said about himself was true, although that's, those two things are of, are of utmost importance. I'm not trying to take away from believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus died for sin, that Jesus rose from the dead. But I am saying this, what salvation is, what being delivered is, is a personal decision. It's, it's not something that, that, you know, God did, and because God did it, and because I go to, uh, you know, North Assembly or this church or that church, I have received this forgiveness in my life. I'm okay. You know, God paid for the sins of humanity, and, and so all of humanity saved. It's something that's kind of a universalism that the Bible does not teach. Bible teaches everyone needs to make that decision for themselves. Whether or not the Messiah is their Messiah. And so I ask you this morning before we sing, and if you'd like, please stand with me. We're going to sing a chorus before we close in a word of prayer. Is the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus, the Son of God, who rose from the dead, (laughs) Is he your Messiah? Is he your Christ? Is he your King? If not, you can invite him into your life today. And we'll give opportunity in just a moment. Let's let's sing together. And folks on Facebook, so glad you joined us today. May God's peace and blessing be with you. In Jesus' name.